When I was a kid, I grew up watching Mr. Rogers. Anybody else? And in watching that great movie, again, uh, I was reminded that he, Fred Rogers, uh, went to seminary and was an ordained minister. But he did not fulfill his calling in the life of a local church or in a Christian ministry, but rather by creating a television program for kids. And today, we are going to talk about calling. And first and foremost, our calling is to love God and to love the people around us. Fred Rogers embodied that. He didn't have to work in a church or a Christian ministry to live out his calling. And in this series that we're in right now, we're calling it Monday Morning Faith. And we are talking in this series uh, about God's view of work. That as followers of Christ, we believe everyone is called to work. Everyone can respond to their calling, not just the lucky few uh, that we often think, oh, those lucky people got to respond to their call. The call to work may or may not involve a paycheck. There is paid work and there is unpaid work. But as Tim pointed out last week, we follow a God who woke up on Monday morning in the Genesis story and went to work, creating creation, imagining the land and the seas, imagining the giraffes and rhinoceroses and fuzzy bunnies. We serve a God, and we are made in the image of a God who works. And so we, too, are called to work. Um, today, we're going to specifically look at this idea of calling. A lot of times in our world, uh, we'll throw that around. In the church, Christian circles, you'll hear people talk about calling, just in society. You'll hear people talk, oh, I'm looking for my calling. I found my calling. I'm not sure what my calling is. What is that? What's this concept of calling? I think we can think about three levels of calling. Level one, our first and primary calling as followers of God in the way of Jesus is to love God. Before anything else, God wants a relationship with you. And our primary calling is to love God with our whole heart and being. Oz Guinness says this, we are not called to do something or go somewhere. We are called to someone. We are not called first to special work, but to God. The key to answering the call is to be devoted to no one and to nothing above God himself. In the scriptures in Matthew 22, there is a passage that lays out for us everything we need to know about being called to work. In Matthew 22:34, we read, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. 
One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Jesus says the most important thing is to love God. And again in John 15, we see Jesus emphasizing this important thing of remaining in connection with God, not a one-time thing. Remain in me, he says, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus is saying the most important thing is to remain in connection to God. And out of this connection, fruit will come. So that's level one of calling. It is our primary and first calling. Level two, our second, or we could say common calling, is that God calls everyone to a life of service. We just sang about it a moment ago when we sang, this is life, this is life, to bid me come and die. Do you hear how countercultural that is? This is life. This is life. To bid me come and die. Our second common calling that everyone, God calls everyone to, is a life of service. Regardless of the specifics, our common calling is to love others, to love our neighbor as ourselves. So first I love God. Then I love others. And sometimes loving others, sometimes loving my neighbor, is loving the people in my house where I am making a home. Sometimes loving your neighbor is loving your customers that you serve. Sometimes it is the employees who work on your team, caring about them beyond the task that they do treating them with respect and dignity as you would want to be treated if you were on the other side of that team. Sometimes loving your neighbor is loving the vendors who come through your business. Sometimes it is loving the natural environment. Sometimes it is the society at large. All of these can be the neighbor that we're called to love, our second common calling. Sometimes we find ourselves unemployed or in jobs we hate or simply in a job that does not align with who God has created us to be. And sometimes you will have the privilege and the opportunity to change that to get in a line of work that 
resonates more with who God's made you to be and your unique uh, gift mix. But sometimes that is not possible. And in these situations, our primary calling to love God and love others can still be lived out. And there is something to be learned and something that can be formed in me when I'm doing a job I don't like. Our first and primary calling, our secondary and common calling can still be fulfilled no matter where you work. Um, when uh, When my kids were little, we had a nanny come live with us. Um, some of you remember her. Her name is Gabby, and she came for a year that turned into two years, that turned into five years. Um, Gabby embodied for me someone who uh, was doing a job, wasn't exactly aligned with who God made her to be, wasn't the best use of her as a person, but who did that job with love for God and for our family. And when she left, I wrote uh, these words about Gabby that I'd like to share with you. Gabby, who came into our lives five years ago, and we never in a million years imagined that she would become so dear so precious, so family to us. She has been present for our best and our worst moments as the Grotties. She has changed countless diapers, shared in five years' worth of meals and travel and memories, and she has been a close-up partner witness, and trusted confidant and friend. There really are no words to describe our love and thanks for this special lady. Our kids do not even know life without Gabby in our home, and she will be sorely missed. In just two weeks, we will say goodbye as she heads back to China for a new season and the next chapter of her life. We're excited for the adventures that will await Gabby in the months and years ahead. And we could never say thank you enough for sharing in the many firsts of family life with us and both our kids. Gabby, you have a permanent place in our hearts. in the weeks leading up to Gabby um, leaving, I kept walking around the house singing a song to her. And uh, she's from China. She had never heard this song before because um, it's a song that I knew well because I'm kind of a product of the church of the 1980s. And there's like only one lyric for a moment like this when you're saying goodbye to someone you love. And um, if you know this, you can sing it with me. So I was like walking around the house and I would be like, (laughs) I would be like, friends are friends forever. If the Lord's the Lord of them, 
And a friend will not say never, for the welcome will not end. Though it's hard to let you go, in the Father's hands we know that a lifetime's not too long <laughs> to live as friends. You guys are old. <laughs> That is what Gabby kept telling me when I was, <laughs> she's like, what is this song? Um, for those of you who have no idea what just happened, <laughs> you, <laughs> you could Google it. And um, if you just type in um, like cheesy Christian songs, it'll probably be top of the list. But uh, she had no idea. I had to completely explain that to her. And uh, here's the thing. Being our nanny was that Gabby's unique calling? I don't think so. Was her gifting perfectly designed to do the tasks of that job? No. Did she like wiping noses and changing diapers? Probably not. But she loved God, and she loved those around her. And that is the primary calling of all of us. You don't have to get paid for your ideal job to live out your calling. You don't need a big platform to live out your calling. You don't have to have an amazing career to live out your calling. In fact, too much emphasis on finding your unique calling can leave, lead to this like egocentric, self-centered, miserable existence. First and foremost is the calling to love God and to love the people around you. Mark 10 says, for even the Son of Man, speaking of Jesus, did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. So our first calling is to love God. Our second calling is to love our neighbor, the people around us, as ourselves. And the third, and unique is the third, the third is our unique calling. And the Bible does speak about the unique calling that you and I have in this world. Often, though, when we talk about calling, this is all we talk about. And it kind of becomes like this um, career counseling session. When the Bible, so we have to remember, when the Bible talks about work, like when the Bible says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not human masters, we have to remember that there were slaves in the community that Paul was speaking to. Often when we think about calling, because we live in a fame culture, we think if it's not big, we missed our calling. If it doesn't involve some huge platform, if you didn't become Justin Bieber overnight, you missed your calling. That is not how the scriptures speak of calling. Ephesians 2 does speak to a unique calling when we read, we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God 
prepared in advance for us to do. So our thir the third level of calling is your unique calling. But here's the thing. When it comes to vocation, the deepest question of vocation is not, what should I do with my life? That's usually where we start. We think the deepest question of vocation is, what should I do with my life? The deepest question of vocation is actually, who am I? What's your nature? It is not, what should I do with my life? It is, who am I? What is my nature? And sometimes that is the very hardest question to ask and to answer and can take a lifetime because we are all wearing so many masks that we don't know. Many times we are living off a script that somebody else wrote. But the deep question of vocation is not what should I do, but who am I? Sometimes people will stay in a job that they hate because they're living out of somebody else's script for their life. Their family or some person thought that they would be good at this and they felt some obligation to fulfill that and so on went the mask. Sometimes people stay in careers that they hate that are completely misaligned with who they are because their expenses started to be larger than their income and all of a sudden they are wearing the golden handcuffs. Can't make a change. But the deepest question of vocation is not what should I do with my life? The deepest question of vocation, who am I? Who did God make me to be? And God calls each of us to specific tasks they may or may not include a paid job, but the calling is to be who God made you to be, fulfilling that calling, and to be me, and for you to be you. It takes a turning from comparison. It takes a choice of contentment meaning I choose to love what I already have rather than wish I had what somebody else had. It takes humility. It takes time. It takes courage. It takes honesty. Parker Palmer in his book, Let Your Life Speak, says this of vocation. Vocation does not mean a goal that I pursue. It means a calling that I hear. Before I can tell my life what I want to do with it, I must listen to my life telling me the who I am. I must listen for the truths and values at the heart of my own identity. Not the standards by which I must live, but the standards by which I cannot help but live if I'm living my own life my own life. I was reading about this old, wise rabbi this week, and when he was an old man, he said this, in the coming age, they will not ask me, why were you not Moses? 
that's true for you and me. In the coming age, they will not ask me or you, why were you not Brene Brown? Why were you not B.B. King? Why were you not? In the coming age, they will ask, why were you not Susie? Why were you not Carrie? Why were you not Charlie? Why were you not Justin? Monica? The deepest question of vocation is not, what should I be doing? It is, who am I? What is my nature? And we find our unique callings, that level three calling, we find our unique callings by claiming authentic selfhood, by being who we are, by dwelling in this world as ourselves rather than Moses or anybody else. And usually when we get confused about level three unique calling, it's helpful to just go back to level one and two and focus on that. Loving God and loving the people around us. We get so focused with a misunderstanding of that unique calling that we miss the core calling altogether. Calling is fundamentally about listening to the voice of God. It is not necessarily about our ideal job. Monica Goodman has been a part of our community uh, for some time, and uh, I asked her if she would be willing to share a little bit about her journey with work. And she did so via video, and I just love what she had to say. So this is Monica. Let's take a look. knew I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. I went to college and I became a teacher and a nurse, um, but really I was just kind of biding my time until I got to have my own babies. My name is Monica. Um, Matt and I have three kids here at Pike Park, Olive, Rockwell, and Marigold. And I've been a stay-at-home mom for about seven years and uh, I'm on my third year of homeschooling. So I can remember being a first-time mom wanting to do everything right, wanting to make just like this amazing human being. And I, you know, I, I read to my baby all the time, and I played with her on the floor, and I was really intentional. And I remember her getting mad at me for some reason when she was about two. And she reared her little hand back and just smacked me right across the face. And I was shocked. And I was thinking, why would you do this? Like. I have done nothing but love you and invest time in you. And I took it way more personally than I should. And I remember God kind of going, you know you're not in control, right? And me, I was thinking, of course I'm not in control. You're in control. But I had really been living like I, I was in control. I was going to do everything intentional and all the choices I made and everything I did with her. That's what was going to affect her. So with the realization of God kind of speaking to me in that moment, um, I just kind of felt like my grip on her loosened and I, I kind of let my hands open up and I like decided to receive his grace and his mercy. And, and that's what I had, you know, received when I became a believer. I had just not allowed it to spill over 
into my life as a, as a new mother. Each day, you know, I'm, I'm, I still try very hard. I'm, I'm constantly striving to be a good mother. I'm still trying to be intentional. But I, you know, I know God sees my, my, my faults and he sees into my inner being. And, you know, my toddler might hit me or my children might get angry at me or I might lose my temper with my kids. But his grace covers all of it. And I just, I feel like I allow it to pour over me now versus just being so caught up in like the fear of what I do and how that, you know, how that's going to affect her.